Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Dee Dee Perkins. She is CEO at ProCana. We're going to talk to her about uh, all the world of regulations and how to stand up a cannabis company, all the things that go into compliance and operations, knowledge management, all the kind of nuts and bolts. Um, I think it's fascinating as the industry has matured, as businesses have matured and evolved in cannabis, we're starting to see all the other challenges that come into companies as they grow at scale, you know, above and beyond just the, the raw kind of cannabis aspect. And, uh, you know, people coming in with various experiences and backgrounds in different industries and helping cannabis grow and scale. It's uh, it's an interesting, very dynamic time in the cannabis market as we've seen a couple of new states come online, as the market is expanding, some pretty, uh, some pretty interesting numbers from some of these states in terms of sales, and uh, a lot of push for growing the cannabis industry. So a lot of needs. Uh, excited to have this conversation. Didi, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. I'm very happy to be here with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So before we get into uh, what you've been doing in the world of cannabis recently, let's get the background. How did you get into the space? How did you get into cannabis? How did you get into compliance and operations? Tell us a little of the backstory. 
Sure, happy to. Um, never expected to get in the cannabis industry, so <laughs> we say that right up front, um, but I'm very happy to be here. I have been in the industry since 2013. At the time, I had um, a freelance writing practice and based out of my home in Southern Maine, and uh, one of my clients asked if she could give my name to a gentleman who she said just needed help with an application. I said, sure. I met with him and it turns out he was putting together the team to write one of the first competitive vertical licenses, medical licenses at that time in Massachusetts. And it was for cannabis, medical cannabis. And I, you know, I mean, I knew nothing about medical marijuana at the time. I really liked the guy. It was very intriguing. I went home and uh, did a lot of research myself before saying yes to the project, just so I knew what I was getting myself into, said yes, and basically have never looked back. During that process, which, you know, it was as most application processes were back then, and some in some cases, they definitely still are. It was a grueling months long process. I learned so much about the cannabis industry. But I also, you know, I met people at the national level, I talked to patients and caregivers and um, was just really um, engaged right from the beginning, we found out we won that license. And from then I just started getting work. I mean, I've said this before, honestly, there was so much work to be done at that time, if you could write a sentence, have <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, have a conversation around a table, you know, someone had worked for you. So within like 18 months of that first call, my practice had totally shifted to cannabis. I was working for small companies, big companies, consultants that were writing applications. I was writing marketing copies, yeah. <laughs> employee man. I mean, literally anything, SOPs. Um, and, you know, like many of us at the time, we were all kind of learning as we went. It was yep. a brand new industry. And, yep. um, you know, so it wasn't a big problem not to have, you know, years worth of experience. In 2015, I went in house with my largest client, which was um, Harvest Health Re Recreation based out of Tempe, Arizona. At the time, I was probably employee 50. We had, um, they had just opened their second facility. By the time I um, left five years later, uh, we had gone public, grown to, we had operations in nine states and almost a thousand employees. And even during my first years at Harvest, I had cust uh, clients in states that were not competitive with them. You know, I was still an independent contractor for a long yeah. time. And then I yeah. went, when they went public, I became a full-time employee. But I just, over the past eight years, I've had this really interesting front row seat of small companies, big companies, you know, uh, they would get through the challenging application process. And, you know, then they would have to comply with everything that they had promised in their applications, the regulations in the state, in some cases, the municipality, and they were different, right? If they were a vertical operation, they'd have regulations for their cultivation team, different regulations for their manufacturing and processing, different rec regulations for their retail teams. And, you know, the states tended to release guidance regularly, and the regulations tended to change. And so it was just a, a, it was a lot of sort of operational challenge. Also, the turnover in the industry was incredible. Um, one of my clients, um, they hired a pretty high profile gro grower out of California to come in and run one of their facilities. The guy came with a really sophisticated book of policies and procedures and just methods to grow cannabis. And within like eight months, you know, he had been poached and, and he was working for somebody else because it was definitely the Wild West. And so here my client was with the, you know, the standard operating procedures that they started with, the ones that they were putting in place with their new consultant or their new grower. And, you know, now they would have a third person coming in. So SOPs were all over the place in the most well-funded companies, people that were smart, hardworking, really doing it right. It was just, you know, there was a lot of stress and chaos. And yeah, I just kept imagining a hub, like it doesn't have to be this hard. Let's give everybody, you know, and by the end of my term at Harvest, you know, we had grown so quickly that we stopped writing applications. And then I became a regulatory specialist and, you know, was having calls from 
different departments, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? You know, we want to change the visitor protocol. Is that in line? And, you know, I just thought there's an easier way. And um, that's so that was the the genesis of the idea of Procana. Yeah. And what were your I guess what were your big takeaways? I mean, you, you were part of a, a pretty phenomenal growth story, you know, of a cannabis company. Like what what did you kind of take away from that, you know, personally, professionally, you know, as you transitioned out into, you know, into the next venture? It's a great question. I mean, you know, one thing that I still just I am amazed at how hard how hard people work and um, the challenges that every day there's a different challenge in the cannabis industry, you know, from getting through the application process to finding funding, then you're, you know, you lose a, a, you know, an investor and, you know, you're scrambling to get a facility built. I mean, it was just one stress after another, uh, not just for Harvest. I mean, a lot of the companies, I mean, it was just a really challenging time. People would say, oh, isn't it fun? You're in the cannabis industry. And, you know, I mean, they just have no idea the challenges, um, you know, but it was also exciting. It was a really exciting time. So, you know, it was definitely a um, high growth wild west of an industry. And we were figuring out as we went, you know, I, I loved that too. I mean, we'd figure out, you know, a way to extract and then we'd figure out a better way or figure out a way <laughs> yeah. to package and we'd figure out a better way. But, you know, that affects operations. And anyways, it was just uh, tons of energy, but also tons of stress and really, really hardworking people. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it is phenomenal how much energy, uh, time and energy people put into these businesses. I mean, it's true with any industry, but particularly with cannabis, I mean, there's such a passion for it. And it's such a high demand growth industry that it's uh, pretty phenomenal. Um, tell me a little bit about Procana in terms of, you know, as, as you, uh, looked at forming this, like where did you, I guess, how did you choose to focus on the areas you wanted to focus on? What were the opportunities that you saw in front of you? Like, was this pretty easy and fluid? Did it, was it, were there hard decisions that you need to make in terms of how you were going to establish and, and develop a new practice around this space? So, you know, some of both, right? I mean, the idea took hold, you know, and my husband is an attorney who had basically largely a technology practice. So I talked to him about it. And, you know, a friend of ours was in software development. I'm like, okay, I have this crazy idea. And we literally just took these tiny little steps just and then talked to some operators and didn't really know where it was going to lead. That was 2019. You know, is this just a crazy idea that has no legs or is this something? And so we were very measured in our approach you know, exciting and, and lots of challenges, though. I mean, like anything, it's kind of like when people would say, oh, isn't it fun to be in the cannabis industry? Isn't it fun, you know, start, do, you know, opening a startup or, or launching a product? Absolutely, it's fun, but a lot of stresses and, you know, you have to raise the money, you have to decide, mm -hmm. you know, which vendor to, we, uh, one story that is just, it really could have taken us down a different path. We had decided that we were going to start the vetting process of software development companies and see actually what was involved. Again, we weren't committed at this point, except to do anything, except to still gather information. And um, we talked with a lot of people, got recommendations for software development companies, and had a, a couple of really good meetings with a company in Maine that was Maine-based, but that had a really big practice and had really great recommendations. And we were about to sign with them. It was December of 2019. Oh, and yeah. I just kept getting red flags. Something wasn't quite right. And I, I couldn't quite articulate it. They had an office in Maine. They had an office in Warsaw. Anyways, I, we just didn't sign. And yeah. within like two weeks after we 
you know, slightly just explain to them why it just wasn't going to work for us. There was an article in the paper that they were pulling their operations from Southern Maine and going to Europe 100%. And they hadn't yeah. disclosed that to us. Yeah. And, you know, different time zones, just everything would have changed. So literally, we started the vetting process all over again. Wow. And we ended up with a company in um, New Hampshire. And they are absolutely our partners. They are like family at this point. I have an idea and sort of a, how something should work. And we talk about it. And it's they're like the architect. I mean, they know how to build it. They know how to make the UI friendly. And man, that was it probably would have been okay if we had gone with the first company. But it's hard to imagine it could be better than the company that we ended up going with. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, you never know. That's great. I mean, I, I, I was in software for many years. And it's um, that partnership is such a hard partnership to figure out early in the process, you just don't know much. And then, you know, keeping it, you know, positive and constructive and collaborative is, uh, is not an easy challenge. So I give you I give you a lot of credit for finding a good partner and work with them. And tell me a little bit about that process. I mean, I, as you it's one thing to kind of have an idea of a software system, like how did you go from, hey, I've got this idea to actually having a software product that someone could actually use, getting your first users, getting the companies on. What was that process like? Yeah. Well, one thing that surprised me in the very beginning is that we had to pay money to even get an estimate. And I now <laughs> understand why, because there's just so much involved. So, yeah. you know, we contracted with them a couple of companies to actually get the estimate. So that was very interesting to me. I had no idea about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, by the time we had an estimate in hand of the project, I mean, it was kind of like building a house. You know, I mean, we oh, knew yeah. exactly what we were going to get. And how many screws it was going to take. And I, I mean, mm -hmm. so, so that was really interesting. Building it was a lot of fun. Honestly, it was just such a good give and take process. You know, I'd have this idea and then, you know, we would d discuss it. They'd show us mock-ups. And so that was pretty cool. We had planned to launch in the late summer, early fall of 2020. And um, by that point, COVID had hit and the presidential election was certainly driving the news. And we just had the sense that this was not the right time to launch. So we kept, you know, building the platform and started raising money, family and friends money at that point and did a soft launch in January of this year. So we are a very new company, brand new. And the first six months, it was me full time. My husband, who still had his, he's my co-founder, he's the attorney. He uh -huh. still had his full time law practice. So he would uh, work on ProCan me full time. And we had one cannabis consultant who's an attorney in Ohio who was just key. And, you know, literally, we just started talking to people on LinkedIn and got our, we it was definitely luck, but um, our platform was ready. It was, we called it beta, but it was fully functional. And we got our first multi-facility operator in Massachusetts, like in week three, which was, you know, yeah. which was wonderful. Um, nice. but, but it was a little luck, right? They were looking for a solution right. and they loved the idea of helping build a company and give feedback. And, and that company is still on the system. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we had a few wins after that. We had Tony, he's my co-founder, took part in a um, networking event. And he was talking to a gentleman who was in one of the social equity cohorts in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked with him and he was just saying there's so much need, you know, and because one thing that ProCanada does is we take the state regulations and we slice them and dice them and we, you know, make them easily accessible with plain English summaries. We build policies and procedures. It's all sort of table stakes. It's the foundation that then companies build, you know, build off of. But we ended up creating a social equity program in Massachusetts that we're now rolling out in every state that has a program. And we're offering ProCana at no cost to anybody who's in the social equity applicant phase, right nice. through provisional, right through them being operational. That was huge. Um, yeah. And it was literally a just a conversation and a networking event that really opened up an avenue for us that has been vitally important and has, you know, just, yeah. So that, that, was, that was really interesting. Didn't see that coming and mm -hmm. I'm very grateful that 
that that happened. Yeah, fortuitous. Kind of long-winded, but you know. <laughs> no, no, I get, yeah, I get it. And well, and I like the having spent a lot of time in software development. The the whole idea of finding an early customer who becomes really a development partner yeah. um, to to actually you know give you feedback and help you really kind of dial in uh, the features and functionality and you know find those kind of opportunities that you may have missed in you know in your kind of conceptual design. But you know now that you've got a customer in there, they can give you real feedback on what's working and what's not. Um, so tell us a little bit about what. So you mentioned this idea of. You take the state regulations, you slice them up, you have plain English language uh, summaries of things. Um, it becomes a platform for companies like how, why do companies buy this? What do they buy it for? What do they end up using it for? How does it evolve? Give me a sense of, of really how it becomes part of a company's you know infrastructure. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, we're learning every day. One thing we found out is that people look at the system and see different benefits. So that first customer, they had had um, a mistake and, it, and a big fine, honestly. Like, And so mm -hmm. they were looking for an auditing solution. And our tool, whether or not you use the SOPs or if you ever open the regulations, we have a really intuitive, mobile-friendly um, auditing platform. So you can use our audits that we put in, you can create an audit on the fly. So we put the compliance director, I think, you know, we flipped on their organization on a Friday. By Monday, he called me, he had created a an audit specific to what they want to check on in their facility. And he had gone in and, and done his first and he had like 30 questions in the audit on a Monday morning. So for them, it was they saw the audit tool, other people that are in the application phase, sometimes they're on there with their trusted advisors, you know, easy access to the regs, those foundational policies and procedures, interesting companies that already have a book of SOPs, right, and they just want to manage them. They want to be able to assign them for training and, and connect videos and quizzes and all that. We have a tool that we can help them just basically upload all their existing policies and procedures. So all the tools that are in there for um, that we use to create the, the foundational work, is all they're also available to our customers. So some people just want it as a way to manage, store all their SOPs, their reference documents, and to connect them to training, which is then date and time stamped log and all that. So lots of different, yeah, we have advisors who, you know, want to be or are on the platform where they want to build the content once and then they want to send it out to you know a number of their clients and be able to work with their clients on their clients platform in Procana. so um, that's been an interesting development that we didn't see yeah so it's lots going on we're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors and now back to our program and where do you hope to evolve as you look at kind of the roadmap or areas that you know you see opportunities what have you decided to pursue? What have you decided not to pursue in terms of your business and your platform? We are growing and we are honestly listening and open to what the market needs at all times. And, and Procana will never be done. So that's sort of the, the caveat. Like, I think I know where we're going, but if someone in four months from now said, hey, what about this? And it makes sense, we would probably, you know, add that feature set or, you know, go in that direction. So right now we have all the state regulations in the states we're in. We're offering toolkit, which again, this is a market driven opportunity people said, okay, it's cool that you have the regulations, but I'm in Nevada and you don't have the regulations there yet. Can I use your tools? So we're going to be marketing just the tools, the toolkit, which we have not started to do yet. We do have a couple of toolkit customers, if you will. We're going to actually, we have a call later this afternoon. We're working on bringing all the GMP and GAP standards instead of a state, you know, they'll, you can, you know, choose to have GMP standards in your um, Procana organization, if that oh, applies to you. Yeah. yeah. So really, um, we just really want to robust tool that serves operators and, and um, yeah, helps them organize their operations, develop their brand, lower the stress, you know, it, easy access to, you know, questions. And yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's never going to be done, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Software is, software is always evolving. 
And how much do you sort of position yourself as a tool to help with kind of regulatory compliance versus more of a, you know, operational management tool, like actually, you know, managing the operations? Like, where do you draw the line between those things? That's a very good question. So again, everybody uses the system a little differently. Certainly you can use it to manage all your operations, but at the most fundamental level, if all you did was follow our regulatory, you know, our, our policies and audit to check for your state regulations, you know, that will keep you, if you, if you run our audits and you can, you know, have passing scores, you'll be fine. If you have an, un, un, you know, unannounced visitor, one of our customers, had um, had done an audit of a dispensary and had identified an issue with the visitor log. It was all pretty standard stuff, but it had slipped through it till that point. Literally like 10 days later, they had an unannounced um, <laughs> visit. Yeah. And the regulator found the exact same and visitor logs. That, that's kind of touchy stuff that gets into security and access uh-huh. to the plant. And, and they, the regulator, you know, the auditor said, Hey, what about this? And they brought up their Procana platform and said, we identified that 10 days ago. Here's our remediation steps. And the guy said, I mean, this was a few months back. He said, I've never seen anything like that. And, you know, you being proactive, I'm not even going to write you up as a deficiency. So, yeah. you know, so at, at, that's Procana working perfectly for that regulatory compliance, but you yeah. certainly can use it for much more than that yeah and how i mean given the fact that these these regulatory <laughs> the, the actual regulations are a little squirrely and keep getting changed <laughs> or at least uh i mean there's the actual you know as written and then as enforced and like how, how do you like how do you navigate that how do you navigate the kind of the changing regulations how do you navigate the well this is what's written in the law you know and and the policy and the regulation for the state but this is what's actually getting enforced and how it's getting enforced like what do, how do you kind of manage the grayness of some of these things or the change in some of this stuff so first off if it's a true gray area and there's and the state has not given very specific guidance it, we had a customer call us that was interested in like percentage of social equity ownership and you know we said to her this is what the regulation says but you know you would you should call your attorney right so we're not we're not in the business of giving out legal advice yeah. um, we draw that line really clearly but we do see ourselves as sitting in between the regulatory agencies and the customers so you know if mass for instance is famous for you know putting out quite a few guidance documents as they call them Michigan also puts out a lot of guidance documents. It's our job to make sure that you know whenever one's been released and then it's and we store it in the platform. So you can always, you know, you can always get it. It's searchable and it shows up. So um, we let you know what's going on. If we hear, you know, Massachusetts, uh, well, this was 18 months ago, but they were putting in new transportation regulations. Well, you know, you know that way before it becomes a fact. So, you know, we will basically say, hey, if you're interested in transportation, you may want to get involved in the conversation in Massachusetts. So, and we're building out that sort of communication piece even more and we'll continue to do so. But it's our job to make sure that the cannabis operators in the states that we're in know exactly what's going on. And if the regulations change, we will then update all the regulations in the platform and and all the corresponding policies, SOPs and audits that go with it. And that happens all the time. Yeah. Um, Who's typically managing sort of the system, this issue inside companies? Like who do you sort of sell to or who do you typically, who's the typical kind of user or administrator for this? There is such a wide range, (laughs) honestly. Some facilities, they assign one person say, hey, dude, you're in charge of compliance, right? And, you know, that person may or may not be interested in compliance. Other companies, (laughs) even small companies are much more serious about compliance and right from the bat have, you know, somebody that they're tasked with making sure, you know, all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So wide range, I would say certainly compliance directors 
sometimes it's the general counsel, and sometimes it's literally the department manager. I mean, Procanda doesn't have to be used for a whole company. You could bring it in if you were the packaging and managing, you know, department manager, and you just no, wanted to manage no. that. You know, you could use Procanda just for your department if you wanted. So we really do sell to a wide range of audiences. Yeah, and and from a state by state point of view, what what markets are you active in? What what markets have have you not entered yet? Give me a sense of your coverage. Yep. Well, we're in Maine. So we put the adult use Maine regs in right at the beginning. We don't have medical in Maine because there's been a bit of an uproar and uh, they're not settled at all. But um, Mm -hmm. we have medical and adult use in Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Illinois. Am I missing one? (laughs) Mass, Maine, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Illinois. Um, We're just about done with the new adult use regulations in New Jersey. Literally in the next week, we will be launching that. Um, We are about halfway through with Maryland. So that will also be launched before the end of the year. And uh, we're starting on Arizona and then Nevada. And we'll just keep, you know, just there's always a state in the queue. Yeah. And what does that look like? You basically have a team that's kind of going through the actual regulations themselves and figuring out how to slice them up and then write the English or the plain English language version of things, summaries of things and stuff. Is that that your, yep. your internal process? Yeah. Yep. We have, have a team of law students and pretty much young lawyers in different states running running the content teams and me. I mean, you know, I, I am not a lawyer, but I have years of <laughs> cannabis regulatory experience. So, um, yeah. you know, everything has a, a multiple check kind of, you know, nobody, there's many eyes on it before it actually gets published. I'm sure. And what have, what have been the big challenges for you just as a, a CEO growing the business? Where have you, you know, either personally had to kind of rethink your kind of leadership strategy or focus or style? Where have you kind of had business challenges? What's been the journey for you in building? the company? Well, I'm sort of an entrepreneurial spirit. So I've had small companies that I've started over my career, but Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to raise that kind of money. And uh, so really relied on my co-founder to run that piece of the business. Um, And honestly, I was not strong and I'm still struggling a bit with networking and and just that forward-facing piece podcast, for instance, the first one I did, I was terrified, you know, and, and now and now you get you make yourself go through it, and it gets easier. But um, that whole networking piece and how other companies collaborations with other companies and partnerships, how all of those fit together, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning every day. And we have some really great advisors on our board of advisors, and also on our team who just, you know, help guide the ship, but it, it takes a team. It, this is a big project, and it takes a team. So yeah, yeah. And other than just kind of chipping away at more states and kind of getting more regulation, more states regulations online here. What are the other growth plans? Any other areas that you see in terms of expanding, you know, expanding your geographic reach, expanding kind of the product offering features and functionality? What what's on the roadmap? I think we're going to stay in our lane. So we've had a lot of conversations where, you know, we may sort of team up with companies that are also in compliance, but doing a different aspect of it than we are. But we are going to stay in our in our lane, which is, you know, regulations, SOPs, training, audits, you know, in that building out, like I said before, GMP and GAP standards. Um, but there's a lot of opportunities in, in partnering with, you know, companies that do more sophisticated training than we do. So we certainly have a nice training platform that we're continuing to build. We'll see what that looks like in the long run. I think training is key to successful operations. Geographically, we have people talking to us about opening um, a Procana uh, or offering Procana in um, overseas 
Germany, Portugal, you know, South America, there's just, there's a lot of growth and our platform is agnostic to the regs. So we've had conversations about putting it in data security and privacy, for instance. So going into whole other industries, right? It doesn't have to be cannabis state regulations. It could be any highly regulated industries. So, um, you know, we're so new, we're we're keeping our eye on the ball, but knowing that these opportunities are out there, um, it keeps it interesting, certainly. Oh, I'm sure. Do you see other solutions from other industries kind of coming into cannabis? What's what's the competitive landscape look like? Yep. I mean, there's definitely um, solutions that came out of pharma. They tend to be, some of them are very good, uh, especially if you're talking about GMP standards and, and GMP compliance. I do think the cannabis industry, I think one of the things that sets us apart is that, you know, it was built from the ground up. And, and you know, I'm always thinking about the actual, I mean, I'm picturing, literally picturing cannabis facilities and the operators, how it would work with them, as opposed to one of our competitors came out of one of the national law firms that has a big cannabis practice, but it's sort of a top down philosophy rather than bottoms up. And so I think that, um, yeah, there's certainly solutions from pharma and some others, but I, I don't think 100% they understand all of the challenges that the cannabis operators in the United States anyway face. Yeah, I'm sure. And this whole kind of potential federal legalization of cannabis, like how does that change the game for you? Or what would you need to do to the platform to to then deal with that kind of a federal level regulation if, if and when it comes in play? Yeah, I think it's probably when. And, um, <laughs> you know, we are, you know, leaning to towards the belief that um, cannabis will be regulated very similarly to alcohol, which means states regs matter, right? So yeah. the feds will, it will be another layer on the Brocana platform. And in fact, I think it will just add one more layer of complexity. So if you were a cannabis operator in Massachusetts, and it's federally legal, we'll provide you with the mass regs, but also the federal like regs that apply to your facility type. So it's just going to be another layer of regulations that we will help support our our operators maintain compliance with. Yeah. Any other kind of industry trend things that you're keeping an eye on that may impact either, you know, technically how you've built things or what you need to put in the system or where you go from a market point of view? I certainly think there's going to be consolidation. You know, uh, we're seeing that already. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so servicing those bigger companies. And I think, you know, if you take three small companies and, and, you know, you roll them into, you know, in different states, you know, now you need a a solution that um, is cross, you know, crossing state lines and, and, a little bit bigger team. So we see that as only being positive for for Procana. I mean, certainly some of the biggest publicly traded companies, there's talk about them building their own solutions, although we're talking with a number of companies who have no interest in that and, uh, you know, are working for us. So I think we'll see, you know, the first decade of cannabis, the cannabis industry was high growth, high stress, wild west. And now we're seeing, um, you know, a professionalization, we like to call it, you know, you can see the industry maturing. And um, so, you know, we just want to be part of that. You don't want, you don't want to take the fun out of it. And it's certainly, you know, you don't want to take the plant out of it, but it's good to have standardized products and and brands that people can count on, you know, whether, you know, and and interstate commerce, as soon as it becomes federally legal, and you can grow it in the best state, you know, you don't have to grow it in New York, if you're selling in New York, right, you know, or Maine, or, you know, I mean, we're also really interested in sustainability and, and, you know, solutions for how to make the whole process more environmentally friendly and sustainable. So there's lots of, lots of, lots going on. It's one of the fun parts of being in cannabis, right? There's a lot of, a lot of dynamics industry. Sometimes it's challenging, but but most of the time it's fun. So this is great. Didi, thank you so much for taking the time today. If people want to find out more about you, more about Procana, what's the best way to get that information? Probably our website. So procana-usa.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Didi Perkins on LinkedIn. Feel free to message or reach out. Yeah. Happy to to talk with anybody. Excellent. I'll make sure that all the information is in the show notes so people can get that. Didi, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. I've enjoyed talking with you. 
That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.